Hi everyone, welcome back to Something Newsy. I'm Caitlin, your co-editor-in-chief here at the Mesa Press, and I'm here with... Hi, my name is Ray Zundel, and I am the Features Editor. And I am Matt Martinez, I am the Staff Writer and the Photo Editor. And in honor of Women's History Month, which is in March, um, we're going to be focusing the conversation today about women's roles just in journalism and kind of just in the career life, um, how women just kind of how we have to stifle ourselves sometimes to uh, get where we want and in our careers and just kind of in life. So a very girl boss moment, a very feminist feminism chat. Um, so yeah, so I think I kind of want to start today about how Zoom and just kind of like everything online has been super hard. I think for me personally, being a girl, being a woman, being young, and kind of having to like watch my tone when I communicate with people, like when I'm sending emails, I have to, I feel like I send a lot of smiley faces, a lot of exclamation points, a lot of, hey, no worries, that's totally fine, even though sometimes it's not fine. <laughs> but you know, you don't wanna to sound too like abrasive or just like too harsh. Um, and I don't know really why that is or how that really even started or why I feel so aware of that. And Ray, do you feel any of that? Definitely, I can say, I don't think it's just an age thing. I think in a society, a lot of times we feel conditioned to kind of self-modulate and to consider how our opinion, um, our experiences come across and are received because we don't want them to seem dismissed or devalued. So we often spend a lot of time kind of constructing how best to uh, craft a message so that it comes across in a way that we want it to. And I think um, a perfect example of this not being age-related or experience-related is a, um, a study that was done by Tanja Jacoby and Dylan Schwears of the Northwestern Pritzker School of Law in Chicago. And they found that um, female justices were interrupted three times more than their male counterparts, regardless of seniority. What? And yeah, far more than any of their you know, fellow justices or lawyers. Um, and so they found that they had to kind of take away some of their speech, kind of the way they would say, excuse me, or can I ask? Or they would kind of give these kind of crafted introductions to kind of soften what they were gonna say. And they learned they had to stop doing that. Um, so I think it's interesting to find that kind of at all ages and all levels in our society, women often feel that they have to self-modulate um, their message to get it across in the way they want to. Yeah, instead of just being like very assertive, because I've had that a couple of times too. Um, I work at iHeartRadio and there are times where um, the female, um, you know, my coworkers, they, they believe like they have to be soft and just not, not be more assertive in their jobs and the men just walk all over them. And it's kind of, it's kind of frustrating because I know I believe being a man myself, I believe um, women can be more of a managerial best than, than men. So mm. um, that's just my take on it, honestly. Yeah, definitely. And it's crazy that really age just does not matter. It's just kind of like a, mm -hmm. a woman, just the woman experience, I guess, because I know being young, I, I always feel like, God, when am I going to grow out of this? When am I going to get a little bit more like 
in control. Like I can do this. Like, listen to me. I'm a woman. Hear me roar. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I, I just don't know when it's going to end. And I don't know how to unlearn that. And I don't really know, like Matt, as a guy, like, do you pick up on that? Do you notice that? Or is it kind of something that you- I, I do? Um, don't, and, and honestly, this, um, I was watching Boardwalk Empire the other day and the way they communicate with women back then kind of uh it kind of made me feel uh weirded not i guess weirded out and more disturbed because they look as for you guys as just uh cleaning maids and cooking and just cooking and all that stuff they didn't see you guys as a working part of society and um yeah i just i just thought uh that more women need to be more assertive i guess Caitlin to your point I think I found for myself it's something like you said unlearning Um, it's something that I know I've had to um, you know sometimes when I'm writing an email I'll kind of re-go back over it and take out chunks of things that aren't necessary that are me kind of walking someone into something or apologizing for taking their time or all these things that I don't feel men often do or I don't feel is necessary for the conversation um and so I've, I've really had to kind of unlearn that behavior and to have a, a finer ear and a finer eye for the things I'm putting out in the world um, to take more ownership of the fact that I don't need to preface what I'm saying and I don't need to um, self-modulate it. Um, no. I think it still gets responses in a way that makes me feel like I do need to. Um, I'm not saying that just unlearning that behavior on your own makes the societal impacts of that go away. Um, but it has helped in terms of recognizing my own contribution and cycling of that behavior. Definitely. And I totally agree. It's kind of crazy because I, I was in a poli sci class last semester and it's political science is known to be kind of like a male dominated feel field. And I remember when I would speak up to talk, I would always be like, I would end my sentences or the things that I say with, I hope this makes sense, or I I hope I didn't sound too weird. And I remember my professor, she's a woman and she she was the coolest professor ever. And she would always say like, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. You make sense. And I think she kind of understood that, like just that little sense of validation that like she hears me and like what I was saying did make sense. And I would always say that because I was like, I hope I don't sound uneducated of what I'm speaking about, or I hope like the way I worded things and kind of like connected all my ideas made sense. But when men would speak in the class or the boys would speak in the class, they would never say that afterwards. And sometimes they would make no sense at all. So I would be like, (laughs) why am I like kind of doing that when I know I did make sense? Like, I know that was a really smart thing to say. But is it because over the course of like you guys, like just being in the class, is it, someone that made you feel that way like your answers and your opinions didn't matter or I don't know I Ray do you think there was a defining moment in your life when you realized like geez this is this I, is being a girl in in like the life I guess I don't, I don't I, know I think that's a powerful point Matt because I don't think I ever had that defining moment I think I was always in um you know I was raised in a way and I had you know my you know, foundational education in a way that I was always taught to speak up. I was always taught that my opinion and my, um, my voice mattered. Mm -hmm. And I had no problem using that voice when I was younger. 
Um, I had no problem speaking up for myself, for others. I had no problem being direct. And I, when I think on it, I think it is something that I kind of grew into in sort of an awful way that as I approached a higher academic life, as I approached um, professional life, as I approached the dating world, you know, as you interact with more people when you grow up, I think you interact with a larger, broader um, fabric of society. I think it's no longer just the core people who raised you and who, you know, had those similar values. I think you're exposed to a lot of different ways of being in a lot of different societal um, entrainments. And I definitely have noticed that it's something, not a defining moment, but something that I kind of slipped into. As I, I socialized almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for both of you guys, do you think that the partners or the people you've met in your dating life have ever been um, <laughs> maybe not like taken aback by like a strong female present? Uh, Matt, that's for you. But for Ray, do you think you've ever met a guy that's been like, oh, I, I don't like feminism or like, I, powerful I, person? I, uh, to, to be honest, I'd rather have a girl who, who knows herself than to, uh, who's more assertive and all that stuff. And, and to say independent, like she doesn't have to depend on me to do stuff. Um, I've, I've dated a, a couple women who are just, you know, they're very headstrong. They know that their opinion matters. They know that whatever they do um, affects the people around them, um, being a woman themselves in the workforce and in private life. So um, I'm, I'm used to it. Um, I, I, I look for that in someone, so. Why do you think some men find that as like eternal or something that's like not okay or like, I don't know. It's just a, I think it's just a dominance thing, I guess. I, I think it's because they were, I guess they were programmed or, or, or taught or, or they saw that the men do everything and that the women are supposed to uh, listen and abide by their rules when in reality, it should be a, 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 a dual thing. It should be uh, equal. A presence in something um I just I just think that's what it is they uh yeah that's that's just to me that's my opinion gotcha Ray what do you think I mean I definitely have come across men who have um had an issue with someone who speaks their own voice and their opinion mm -hmm. and you know I think that is definitely something I've encountered but I think you know the scarier thing can be when we kind of um, turn that in on ourselves and when it's a smaller things right yes. it's not that I don't feel I can't speak my opinion right it's it's that hesitate it's that momentary hesitation before you say something before you say an opinion yeah it's not necessarily that you can't speak that opinion or that people don't have okay reaction to it but it's that self hesitation for a moment of oh, wait how do I say this in a way that the all these people at the table know that I'm educated enough to speak on this piece, that I'm coming from a good intention place. Right. That, mm -hmm. You know, you, you have all these internal battles of how best to phrase and express something. And in those hesitations, I think you, it quiets your voice. It puts this constant um, thought of maybe I shouldn't speak up right now. And I think just that over time can really wear in a person. And I mean, for you, Caitlin, especially since, you know, you're younger and experiencing this how do, how do you experience this and you know in both in college and in your relationships 
I mean, I feel like I was kind of dunked in head first. I really didn't date in high school. I mean, I had a high school boyfriend, but he was very like kind of a neutral person, I guess, sort of say. He didn't have opinions and didn't want to have opinions and didn't want to discuss them with me. And I kind of later realized that that was more of a maturity thing on him. But it's just crazy how I realized in that, that women are raised or girls are raised to become mature so quick. I knew how to talk about things that were uncomfortable. I knew how to have uncomfortable conversations. I knew how to go about things and to not be very level-headed and not very level-headed situations. And um, it's just really kind of disheartening to, I don't know, kind of to see different types of men and the way they're raised. And I think we have sort of an expectation, especially when we're young to just kind of deal with it. Oh, they're not mature enough. Oh, they don't know yet. And it's just kind of like, well, it's not my job to walk them through the process. Like, no, it's and, not. but whose job is it? You know what I mean? It's not, is it the moms? Did they do enough? Because then we're putting it again, back all on the woman. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I don't really understand, like whose job is it to teach these guys how to understand these issues, be aware of these issues and to make make amends with them i think it's i i think it's just having more experience with it i think it's just having more experience with with women who who do have a sense of uh level-headedness and all that stuff because sometimes they guys just pick the you know just the less smarter ones i guess you could say or like the less confident ones and they think that's that's how every female is going to be and that's not that's just not the case to be honest with you Matt, something I want to ask you is, you know, Caitlin and I were just saying how we have felt like this hesitation when we are going to speak or this hesitation when we craft an email. Is someone. Like, yeah. Do I've we do we put an exclamation point or is that too friendly? Do we do we phrase it this way? Uh, I wouldn't. Ever okay. experience that? The exclamation point is fine. It's the smiley faces because then you get a guy who's never had a had a, a email conversation a, a business uh, email conversation with a woman outside of work that doesn't put a smiley face. So they think, oh, she's very friendly and all that stuff. But I, I, I think it's fine. But, but right, um, have, have you ever experienced that kind of momentary self-hesitation of how you're coming across to someone when you say something or when you craft an email? Do you think, oh, I should phrase this or I should apologize for taking their time or uh, does yeah. that occur to you? Or It's, it's, it's more of talking in a, in a more business tone for me. It's okay. more like, it's not talking as a friend because usually I would send emails like like I would a text message like like very short and concise instead of uh, having you know a business uh, tone in emails because I've noticed I've noticed that a lot when I go to work like I text my I talk to my boss and my managers like I would my friends from high school or from college and uh, that has to, that that for me that's my uh, of inner demon battles to fight with so it's more um, of a professional versus yeah. okay personal yeah so I feel like kind of changing the conversation up here a little bit I feel like 21st century feminism is so crazily different from you know third wave feminism second wave feminism first wave feminism because it kind of it's 
us kind of owning our femininity and being a little bit more daring with what we're showing to the world, being kind of not afraid, um, you know, wearing pink. You see a lot of the trends right now in fashion are kind of like going back to like Paris Hilton, the 2000s, lots of glitter, lots of sparkle. And Ray, do you think that this is kind of like a step in the right direction? Do you think like it doesn't really matter? Um, do you think we're progressing as a, I guess, woman in the world and owning our, our, our place? Well, wow, what a simple question to throw at me. <laughs> um, I think, honestly, I think there have always been um, aspects of that in each wave. I don't think we have um, necessarily progressed into some sort of new expression or understanding of feminism in terms of what you were talking about. But I do think that hopefully we are having a broader understanding that feminism is about all people, right? It's about men and women. It's about true equality um, in, mm. you know, in the workforce, in pay, in expression, in freedom and creativity and in your, you know, your choices with your body. I think more than be feeling like there's progress in how we are able to express, which I think in some instances is true. I think there's a deeper understanding in the younger generation and more excitement. But I think the thing that scares me is that there is such, still such a huge response and conflict around the rights that we have with our bodies, yep. around healthcare, yep. around um, you know everything to do with that. I think the fact that our bodies are still a battleground is something we should not still be dealing with in twenty. Which Ray, which it yeah. blows my it blows my mind. It it really just blows my mind how like they we really think as men we could tell y'all or just throw money in y'all faces and be like, yo, you can just take care of this real quick. Yeah. Like I, it, 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 and then even, even with, uh, what state was it that, uh, that's not allowing abortions now? I know there's a state. Oh, I forgot what it is. Was it? Yeah. Georgia like, I, I, it, some, it's, it was, it's one of the Southern states where they, they weren't, uh, they're not allowed to have an abortion, even if it was rape or anything like that. And it just, it, it blows my mind. Like we're, we're, you guys are still fighting, you know, to own your guys' right to do stuff with your guys' own bodies. What's interesting to me too, is I just feel like we've been having the same conversations about it, the same science about it. And there still really hasn't been like a breakthrough moment, I feel like. And it's super interesting that it's just become kind of partisan where I feel like um, men's rights or men's issues aren't really like, first of all, a topic of discussion. And then secondly, even like are, are partisan at all. And it's just really interesting that I feel like a lot of what women do are politicized, extremely politicized. And we're not even really even listened to in that sphere, which is kind of crazy. And I just don't really understand it. I think that plays into, I mean, we see that also with um, communities of color with the right to vote, with um, women's rights, with a lot of those issues that are not on the surface partisan issues, you know? 
Right. They are not issues, but they have bec- the narrative has been woven that way in order to create fractures, I believe. In order and mostly create- by men. Yeah. Men in- white men in power specifically, by and large, I would say, um, in my own personal opinion. But exactly. I, I think that is something that I think we won't see breakthroughs because until, until we really address the fact that those who are benefiting from the system are in control of the system. And I think getting more women into representation, um, into seats in the house, into, I think like what Matt said is having, you know, women who are in places of power, you know, on the boards of big companies. Because because to me, I I honestly, like I said earlier, like I believe women are are better uh, uh, managers and better bosses, to be honest with you. I think sometimes um there's there's just there's just there's just something in in women bosses that um it calms down the situation it 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 eases a whole situation um and then when they need to be assertive they are assertive um even my manager that got laid off uh due to this last covid uh break um i think she was my favorite boss out of all of them because even when things got rough, she knew how to control her emotions and get everyone level-headed. But also when it was time to be assertive and tell um, her older, her upper boss, which is a white male, like, nah, this is not the way to do it. She would do it. And um, like, you, like you said, Ray, I, I, I do think we need women more in senates and houses and, and in Congress more. I think it's interesting that, sorry, Caitlin, I think it's interesting that you said assertive a couple times there mm-hmm. because, you know, there's this double bind phenomenon where it's, you know, if women are considered nice, then they're considered too soft, mm-hmm. too emotional, right? If you call mm-hmm. them assertive, then they're considered abrasive or, you know, the B word mm-hmm. or other words. Exactly. And you don't yeah. get that kind of commentary on men in, in leadership roles. You know, they say they're confident, they're, they're in charge, they're leaders. You never hear them being called abrasive or those kind of yeah. words that have emotional connotations attached to them, right? Yeah. And what you're saying yeah. is the opposite, is that your female boss has, in your experience, has been the one who has been best equipped to calm down situations, to deal with things in a very um, responsive, logical, practical, and helpful way for the staff. And, and mostly, and, and, and I've been on this earth for 26 years, and literally all the women in my life, whether it was teachers, uh, you know, advisors, whatever, um, uh, whatever, they've all helped me out and to get to the place where I'm at now. Um, they've all given me a chance. They've all, um, you know, looked past my resume and my um, background to just get to know me. And I think that's... I think that's helped me out in the long run to get to where I'm at now. Um, Cause I think with the guys, they, they can just look at my name, uh, you know, look at my attitude or feel threatened or whatever, instead of looking at it as a collaborative effort, I think. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I give the utmost respect to all the women in the world in my life and who's out there today, especially you, you two women. <laughs> Thanks. And I mean, obviously what we're saying is is generalizations, right? Yeah. There, there are men who are very well equipped and who are great bosses. Um, oh yeah. And I've, I've, you know, there's, there are definitely 
but I think I think what we're talking more is to the broader societal um, experiences we've been having. There shouldn't even be a conversation that involves gender regarding if a boss is good because she's a woman, yeah, yeah. Boss, because she's a man or a man or you know. It should, it should be whoever gets the job done effectively, honestly, exactly. at the end of the day. But it's it's just interesting because I. So last year in my poli-sci class, I, I did like this kind of big, my big research paper was on consumerism, climate change, and capitalism, which are big, three big things. And it was crazy because like climate change is truly a woman's issue. And when we're involved in it, I was reading the study and it, and it was like, when we're involved in it, it's okay. Well, if the world ends, how can we, like, we can't repopulate, we can't overpopulate the earth because you know that's a woman's issue and then what are what are we going to do women are going to they're not equipped to handling that and then it was just usually women are more likely to recycle um they're more likely to buy from eco-friendly brands they're more likely to you know believe in climate change but usually they're left out of climate conversations even though it is fully a woman's issue. And usually women are the ones working in sweatshops. They are, you know, being affected by this, but there's nothing, you know, about that when you talk about climate change and the climate crisis, which is just crazy. Yeah, I think also that, you know, with the climate crisis, what we are going to see, the biggest shift we are going to see is displacement. Um, we are going to see huge populations being displaced because of the climate crisis. And that burden is going to largely fall on women who are going to have to navigate um, crossing borders and finding new places and finding new ways of sustaining their families and their children. And um, I think, like you said, that is not something that is really being discussed when we talk about climate crisis. I think often we you know, we focus on recycle and the, you know, the oceans and a lot of the, you know, obviously things that we need to do, but right. a lot of the kind of mm, the things that have been sold to us as easy ways to fix the solution, the, the problem. And right. they're not really honest, right? Because the whole recycling thing was started by, um, was started by the, the, what do you call it? The, the trash companies was started by, uh, sorry, the plastics corporations. The institutions that uphold. Yeah, the institutions yeah. that are benefiting from exactly. uh, the system. And, you know, so we often, when we talk about climate crisis, especially since this month, you know, is um, has Earth Day, I think it's important to notice and to talk about not just the, the ways that we think we are fixing the problem, but the bigger picture of how this is going to fall on um, mostly women right. to handle the impact of, um, of displacement and what that means. Because displacement entails conflict, it entails uh, sexual violence threats, it entails uh, you know, um, food issues, food shortages, um, health issues. For sure. So that's going to be something that we're going to really have to come to grips with because that's coming up for all of us to deal with. Exactly. Um, Beautifully yeah. said. Snaps. <laughs> um, okay. So I think I want to end on a little bit of a lighter note because, you know, these conversations can get heavy. They can get hard to talk about. We're all um, having a little Zoom fatigue. It's been a long day. 
So um, my little last question for everybody is who is like a girl either in or a woman in um, TV, movies, the music industry that has been a really positive um, person to look up to or someone you really admire? Um, I don't know which mine is, who mine is yet. I'm trying to think. Um, I should have wrote, wrote it down. <laughs> but um, if anyone has someone who comes to the top of your head, feel free to jump in. I got a, I got a couple. I have a couple. I have, right. Actually, I have, I, I have two. I have, I think uh, she's the general manager for the Miami Marlins. I'm definitely going to butcher her name. Um, let me look her, let me look her name up real quick. But my other one is um, Cardi B. Why um, Cardi B? Why? I just, I, I think she's, I think she's ruffling some feathers up with, with talking about the presidency and COVID and uh, women's empowerment, um, just coming from her background as well, um, coming from being a stripper and, you know, coming from the sex worker uh, lifestyle and all that stuff. Um, and for her to speak out on popular issues um, and winning Grammys and still being level-headed um, coming from the Bronx where she's from, um, I think she's a great influence uh, for all women. Oh, I agree. It's well really put. <laughs> I was going to say, it's really cool how, you know, a person doesn't have to fit feminism. I feel like feminism kind of fits a person and they kind of make mm -hmm. it, make it their own. And everyone has like a different experience that they, you know, can create and craft to make um, you know, feminism fit them and to redefine what it means to be a woman and in, in the music industry and what it means to kind of cross those borders into politics or whatever she wants to talk about and kind of use her platform for good. So, yeah. And my other, my other one, uh, the general manager for the Florida Marlins, her name was Kim Ying, uh, last name NG. Um, I, to, uh, I think she's a very powerful influence uh, for women in general because you know baseball is definitely a male dominant sport and for her to be a general manager of a, a really prominent baseball franchise um, I give her a lot of kudos and I give Derek G a lot of kudos for hiring for sure yeah. um, I would say to kind of piggyback, oh, I'd say to piggyback off what you were saying Caitlin I think one of the biggest things we can do to progress um, the movement is to not judge each other. Exactly. Is to accept that whatever, you know, role in life, whatever choices with career, with children, with um, however you want to live your life, however you want to, you know, what you do with your body, what you wear, what you, how you express your femininity. I think the biggest thing we can do is learn to not judge each other and also to support and to support each other and also to be kind to ourselves as we kind of unlearn this process that we have been kind of trained by society. Um, for the women that I am inspired by, I can't think of any kind of famous celebrity off the top of my head, but I would say that there are a lot of creatives um, on social media, on like Instagram that I have been seeing, especially in the past two years, um, come into their own voice and really 
express, uh, bridge their own personal experiences, especially in communities of color and underrepresented communities, and to take charge and to reclaim some of that space, some of that creative space, some of that um, business space, totally. kind of, you know, get their bank and, and to kind of express that this is me and I'm going to fully be in this space and you can take it or leave it. And so I feel very inspired by a lot of those women who are doing that work. Totally. And it's super cool how people are kind of like reinventing Instagram. Cause I feel like social media is kind of seen as like a woman's thing. Like we post pictures of, you know, what we wear and whatever. And it's really cool that they're kind of like, yeah, we do. So we're going to monetize on it. We're going to make this my business. Like we're going to, you know, do this for real. And I think it's yeah, awesome. Super cool. Um, See, and I, and I call, um, and to piggyback what you guys are saying too, I think, um, how, uh, cause you know how, how we're saying like each generation of women knows, um, it gets better and better. And I think this generation knows what they're worth, to be honest with you. With okay. everything going on with, uh, from social media down to OnlyFans, I think women know who they are, what they are, and they're just gonna use that to their advantage. Yeah. And Slay, I- queen. <laughs> um, I think mine, so I have two. So I played soccer my whole life. So obviously, you know, I looked up to like the U.S. women's national team, people like Megan Rapinoe, who kind of like dominated her space. And she was, I think, one of the very first um, athletes that was really open about her sexuality and um, being gay. And I always thought that was super dope that she was kind of like really honest about it, because I feel like there was no one in kind of like representing United States sports in the soccer sphere of things that was really open about that. And um, I love what she's doing for women. They just decided to make uh, kind of soccer playing cards. If you ever like, um, like bought like Pokemon cards as a kid, kind of like that into NFTs, which is like the newest art thing. I really don't know how to explain NFTs at all, um, but yeah, I don't yeah. yeah, I'd leave that one for another podcast. Yeah, another, yeah. another, another, another something. Are so confusing. I do not understand them yet. I've tried. Um, but my second person would probably be Joan Didion. I recent. I don't know if I pronounced her name correctly, but I recently read one of her books, and she's just like super awesome. Like she's such a good writer. Um, just like her life is so like, I don't even know. It's like whimsical. It almost doesn't feel real. It's like super like she's just lived a really cool life. She's been everywhere. She's written for everybody. She's super like in her, her reading her, like the tone of voice that comes across is so wise, but also at the same time, very like strong and confident. And I, I really picked up on that and I thought that was super cool. So yeah, those are my two girl bosses. <laughs> I think that's kind of a perfect way to kind of wrap this up is reclaiming your voice and dominating your space. That's exactly. like the two key things, right? Yes. Perfect. So Everyone, thank you for listening to Something Newsy, and I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you next time. Bye.